0: Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a Sage.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Savage to Sage podcast. Um, It's been a while since we've done one of these and I'm super excited to have Ben Cooper from Amplify on this podcast. Uh, He has been the owner of them for the past seven years. And just to give a little brief bio on um, Amplify, they're kind of like your growth advisor, um, helping uh, business owners manage like time, money, and growth potential. So Ben, excited to have you on the show today.
0: I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Tell me a concise bio of you and uh, kind of the path that led you here today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of a a full circle. Um, I'll give the quick flyby. So I grew up in Indiana, fell in love with making music, realized, Hey, I can actually go to college, uh, nearby in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and, you know, be able to pursue this a little bit. Um, thankfully I was encouraged to study, not just audio engineering, but also entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. and I grew up, my dad has a financial background and, and so I, I grew up really around numbers and appreciating, you know, the the financial analysis side of things, um, and so, spent time in Nashville. We lived down there for about 15 years, um, and was in the music industry for seven or eight years, writing songs. Really cool experience. And then we started having kids. Diapers are really expensive, so we started having to face some, you know, defining moments. Like I remember FaceTiming my wife Brittany on a Tuesday night. Kids were going to bed, but you know, I'm just a mile down the road hustling in the recording studio, producing a project. Just you know, whatever I could do to say, I'm a full-time musician. But I was starting to face these moments where, you know, I really, I, I really want to be home for the kids' bedtime. Like, I might as well be almost driving a semi-truck across the country or something if I'm not home wow. for these moments. And yeah. so just had, you know, some realizations of, you know, I think I need to retool. There's an opportunity to just kind of maybe shift um, and f- focus maybe a little bit more on the number side and, and find some ways to to serve people through that. Um, so I then went down to Austin, Texas for an MBA program at the mm. Active School of Business, focused on entrepreneurship. Amazing transformative experience. Came back to Nashville and worked with some investors who were looking at uh, businesses who were growing. And my uh, my role with that group of investors was really on the due diligence side of things, sitting down with business owners. And hearing about their vision for growth, um, looking at you know what they had started and kind of where they were at from a numbers standpoint, and really, what I found was a lot of these business owners they really you know while they had started something that had a lot of potential, they didn't really have a good grasp of their own numbers sometimes, and um, were starting to face some decisions around growth that you know they really were realizing I you know it's too risky to just guess anymore at some of these decisions. And and then also I think a few of them have seen had seen Shark Tank too many times. So they were feeling like, I don't know what to do next, but I hear investors have all the answers. And so there were a handful of conversations that were really um you know kind of the defining origin of Amplify. This was 2015, 2016, where some business owners you know, we're, we're talking about what they were hoping the future would look like for their business. I had extrapolated some of their numbers and built out some, some forecasts about what, you know, here's, here's where it looks like things are heading. And a couple of the business owners just said, Hey, we actually don't really want to sell part of our business. We don't want to give up ownership or even compromise our vision for where we think things could be heading. We just don't have anybody to help us think through these numbers could we just pay you to meet with us? And could you just do this for us? And, and, you know, the light bulb went off. I was like, this is fun. Cause you know, really, you know, the opportunity to come alongside a business owner is they are thinking about the future. And, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs, you know, if they haven't brought in outside investors or are sharing some of that vision casting, then, you know, in some ways it is as simple as, you know, sitting with a business owner, unpacking, you know, what do you hope This business could turn into like even for you as a just a a person, like how, how could this support a life of meaning for you? Like, what are the ways that this business could grow in a way that you would be proud of at the end of your life? And so, defining success with them, and then really just using some of those kind of investor lenses and skills that I had developed to just say, okay, well, here's how we could get there. And this is, you know, we're kind of planting a flag in the distance that we're saying this is what success would be. How do we get there? And what are the things that we may be able to do just from a profitability standpoint to accelerate things? And that really was the origin of, of uh, Amplify. And I've really just been doing that ever since. And uh, you know, I kind of fall into the... You know, what's the name of the, the way I'm serving business owners? It's like, I've had people call me fractional CFO, fractional COO, uh, business therapist growth advisor it you know at the end of the day i just i i think about the business owners who, who are alone and guessing at their numbers and i can kind of come alongside and help kind of turn the lights on looking into the future in some ways
1: that's great i love it because the conversations that i've been in in this business have been uh specifically around the mergers acquisitions right so it's like you have these folks that like have developed this business over long periods of time. And it's like, hey, they got a couple of things that they could look at, right? You can either sell it, you know, you can, you know, give it to somebody else or you can die with it, you know, kind of deal. But like when you have the conversation like that late in the game, it's really hard to actually make that transition for a business owner. Because I, well, I guess what I really like your value proposition is, is that it's really kind of on the front end and as people are developing their business to help them along the way to kind of scale up. So I I I just don't I guess what I'm saying is that I don't necessarily see your service out there. And I I do think it's really, really needed.
0: So well it's, you know, the the thing that I've realized I'm really passionate about is, you know, looking at the the business as a vehicle, as a I, I think a lot of times it, it's easy for entrepreneurs, especially to Get so, you know, you pour so much into starting a business. And it, it, at some point, it, be, it, it is you on some level. It feels like, you know, your identity is, is wrapped into it, you know. And, it, and in a lot of ways, the thing that I feel really called to and excited about is helping business owners, you know, view it. And with the music background, I always think in metaphors, but, you know, view the business almost like the guitar or something. That's yeah. the instrument. What's yeah. the song? Like what's the song that you, you know, and you know, in in a lot of ways it's um, as I've grown my business, it's been an important part of how I have wanted to structure growth for Amplify and even sometimes reversing growth at different points, you know, because of the phase of life where we have, you know, I get to work from home and we have four kids and, and, you know, just maintaining some levels of flexibility. It means that I, may not be trying to score points the same way that other business owners may be trying to score points and you know that comes down to what does success mean for not just me compared to others but also for this season of life compared to a different season of life and so you know the 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 biggest question i think that every business owner needs to to sit with and and really ask is what do i want <laughs> you know it sounds like a simple thing but what do i hope for because if we're not careful, and I and I hear this from other entrepreneurs who I uh, work with at times, that they'll they'll get advice from some folks who are, you know, really waving the flag of one type of success. You know, and that, not to yeah. throw certain investors into the under the bus here, but like, you know, I had an, an ecom business owner say, uh, "Okay, so I met with this venture capitalist, and they said if I if I want to if I want to be successful." There's only one way to do it. And I have to do this by this date. And I have to hit these metrics and da 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 da. And it, it created, you know, an unfair, uh, set of checkpoints or metrics, you know, for that business owner to feel like, well, I'm not there yet, you know? And it, and it it's almost, you know, in the same way that social media might do for, for us as we kind of see, you know, different people's unfair, uh, pictures of like, here's what success is or here's the good life or something and we're like comparing our messy reality sometimes to like wow they just have it perfect what am i doing wrong you know it's almost yeah. like on a business front we see a lot of times these like unicorn success stories and and then we look at what we're doing and it's like what am i man i i feel like a fraud i feel like an, an imposter here yeah you know and and at but at the end of the day uh the the amazing thing about entrepreneurship and running a business is like you get to define for yourself in a lot of ways what uh what it means to grow your business and start your own business so there's a lot of freedom but if you don't define success for you then there are plenty of other people who are willing to do it for you
1: (laughs) that takes courage right it takes courage for you to like say to yourself what you really want you know because it's a lot easier to kind of say well to me, this is what everybody else says success is, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I, it's easy for me to follow on to that kind of plane in a sense. But I think what you're calling people to is like, is to courage to recognize themselves, their unique needs, their stage of life. And like, that's, that's normal health. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And, and within entrepreneurship, like I want to say like mental health and you know kind of just having good solid boundaries and and well-being sometimes that can feel kind of like an oxymoron you know yeah. so um just like the fact that you're pushing into that like it's really encouraging
0: so yeah, man I, I appreciate that um there was probably no clearer example in my journey of how setting you know healthy boundaries uh was important than during the MBA program when it was a hundred hours a week, really yeah. like this super intensive one year program. We had two kids at the time and, you know, just from a, uh, you know, at like a management of time and energy and all this stuff. It's like, how do we do this well? And there's all this pressure to like pull all nighters and like, just, you know, almost like I remember seeing an episode of shark tank where somebody was like, I only sleep three hours a night and you know, I'm sitting here going, Oh no. Yeah. But the, but the investors are going good for you. I'm like, this, that's not fair. So like, not just for that person, but everybody watching like that's no, like, and, and so um there was one other guy going through the NBA program in my cohort who also committed to um and he had small kids at the time as well. We, we both committed to a Sabbath every week mm-hmm. and it was right in the midst of you know, it was essentially this like hurricane of work to be done. And, you know, it felt counterintuitive. But the amazing thing was over the course of the program, I could see just the unsustainable reality that others who work, you know, just going 16 hour days after 16 hour days, just working, working, working. And it's like they got no recharge throughout the week. And so what we committed to it during that season, and the reason we committed to it was we said, look, if we can do it now, we can do it anytime. Like there is no season of life, you know, most likely that will be as chaotic as this. And so if we're willing to be disciplined and set time aside for, you know, time to, to go to church, be with family, you know, just recover a little bit, then, you know, that's a habit that we've carried on you know, for years since then, just, um, and, and we proved it to ourselves, we could do it, but we, that was just a clear example of we're around a lot of people who are saying you can't do that. That's not, that's not allowed, you know, and there are a lot of, you know, even just the, the way I'm, I balance, uh, work now, I'm also doing impractical things around like still enjoying music and investing in, my, yeah. you know, that creative side of of things that I'm passionate about as well. You know, I don't see any other business owners taking their family to Nashville for spring break like we did this year, and you know, hiring professional session players to go into the recording studio and and let our kids see this song that they helped write. You know, kind of come to life and experience something that is is so near and dear to my background and and what I'm passionate about. So, you know, I, I just I feel like. I am. I am enjoying the fruit of pushing into what it feels like God's created me to to do and enjoy for myself and as our family. I I have seen how um, you know ultimately, like the strategy around business growth can actually support that. Like it doesn't, and I, I see a lot of times, you know, the realities of running a business gets in the way of that for a lot of people, and and some of that is just the. Belief that you know I can't take time to do this. I need to be scheduling more sales calls. I need to be doing more demos. I need to be, you know, da da da. And in some ways, that's part of a reality of running a business. You have to find that balance of okay, you know, how much is enough to make sure you know that's a hard question to answer. You, you know, kind of like what do I want? The other question around contentment, you know, the 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 temptation in in business, because it's so wide open and undefined in a lot of ways, it's like more is always better. More is always the goal. And so, um, you know, being content and at peace with sometimes saying, "I think we're good. I think that's enough for today, or enough for this week." That's not always in the hustle early stage. That's not always available. You know, some, some part of the hustle at the beginning. Does require some um, extra efforts in some ways, but what I see uh, a lot of times with business owners is that they they never shift out of you know that that grind sometimes and replace it with things that are more life giving sometimes. Um, and so that's that's you know what I what I you know when I think about profitability for a business and it's like okay there are four main levers that we can pull within a business to increase profitability. It's not just so we can go more, more, more. It's like, why are we? Why would we want to? Why would we want to introduce more profit into the business, or or ask the business to, you know, st- uh, stretch in different ways or shift? Um, why would we look at price increases or, or lowering variable expenses or some of these things? Well, in a lot of ways profit for a business represents options or flexibility. Or the the ability to choose you know to maybe hire somebody in to take over part of your role so that you can coach your kids' basketball team. you know I think it's important to look at the entire picture as opposed to just uh you know the old way of maximize shareholder value. that's why businesses exist. you know that's such a limited view, and you know I, my hope for any any entrepreneur. And especially if you're just starting out you know is is that you go into running a business with the freedom to decide what you want it to look like and and that that creates a picture that you can build toward that you can work toward um and I think the temptation a lot of times is you know we're gonna we're gonna make this business more money so that you can have more money it's like no it's just that's not the end goal it's means towards a different goal or a bigger goal, and I think without the business owner doing that courageous uh, step of defining, what do I feel called to? What is it that I want? Um, the the natural place, like the the cheap place to go, is like, well, we'll just reinvest this into growth, you know. And 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 it's like, okay, or you know, we'll buy a more expensive car. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it makes me, look crazy. It, like, see, you know, seeing yeah. Lamborghini pictures. I'm like, come on, like, it's show like me, a, show me a business owner who's like playing with his kids in the backyard on a Tuesday afternoon. Like that to me is, you know, that's, that's also just my definition in some ways too. So I don't want to cast that on other people, but I feel like it's too easy to just go like wealth and prosperity on like, that's what a business can do. It's like, no, businesses can provide a life of meaning.
1: I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, Two things that you said that really stuck out to me, which is, you know, kind of um, that, you know, it's kind of core as far as my foundation for understanding in business. Uh, The first thing is, is that you mentioned that, you know, entrepreneurs, when they're starting out, get into the habitual grind of surviving, Mm -hmm. you know, of making enough money to um keep on the lights to make payroll all this type of stuff one of the things that i've seen that has been really really like kind of just an interesting thing to study is uh the amount of people that can move from the startup business runnings to a scale up business running and like my you know like thesis is it's a completely different level of skill set from you know, starting up to scaling up, you know, like you have to have completely different tools in your tool belt, you know, in order to kind of do that. The thing that, you know, kind of what you're alluding to is that if you're always tired, if you're always running, like, you know, core to who I am is like, I know how people develop or like are open for change. And you can't be open to change or development if you're, tired, exhausted, burnt out, you know, Mm -hmm. with, I'll even call it like post-traumatic stress from like all of your like early, you know, like battles that you fought, you know, kind of deal. It's like, and that circumstance, like, how can you take on new skills? Like it's nearly impossible, you know? So it's like, um, so like, I think founder health is important as the business grows, like, and creating that margin what you talked about. so. That's the first thing. Yeah, do you have anything on
0: that? Well, just uh, it it brings me back to starting out and realizing the importance of pricing things well um, Mm -hmm. because that's where you can create some pockets of reflection or or just kind of say, okay, you know, yes, it feels like survival mode, but there are little windows where I can like, Climb up the mountain and just scramble, scramble, and then but then pause and turn and look and, and gauge where I'm at. How are yeah. things going? Yeah. Um, some of the best advice I got around um, just starting out was okay. Figure out. This was a, a teacher at the MBA program. He said, um, "Figure out how you want to serve people. Like what you want to do. Just start doing it for them." You know that in my experience, it was just I'm I'm just meeting with business owners doing what I'm. You know, pulling out the numbers and the, and then at some point, somebody's going to say, "Hey, this is really helpful. Um, Could we do this again next week? Like, what would it cost to hire you?" And and then the final piece of advice was, "And then name a price that scares you," because a lot of times, and it comes down to you know, what am I worth as a, you know, what's my advice worth, or what does my product or whatever it might be. Yeah, temptation is if it's if we're just starting out, is that we'll just like undervalue what it is we're doing, and it's a really tricky pricing is one of those really complicated pieces because you can go everywhere from just a if you're selling a commoditized you know widget, you're you're going to be competing with a lot of people and you're going to have to sell a lot and you won't be able to price it just you know limitlessly. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's value- based pricing where you say, "Well, what's it worth to the person who I'm meeting with?" yeah and and giving them some clarity about and, and that even changes depending on the decisions they're facing, the size of their business, you know, and so becoming comfortable with, okay here's here's what the engagement would look like, or I think you know, this person might be willing to pay this much, and it's not to not at all to like extrapolate more value than you should from somebody because just like any of us buying a cup of coffee from Starbucks we only buy it because it's still worth the cost of it is still below what we're valuing it to be like if there's a point where they would sell it for $15 and we go oh, I don't you know I don't need it that bad but there's you know there's a window where whether it's $4 or $3 or $2 if i think it's worth $6 i'm going to say that's a good deal. And that's a good deal. And that's a good deal. But the reality for for Starbucks or whoever, you know, who whoever's selling the thing, it's it's good to just get as high on that acceptable window of pricing as you can because it means that you don't have to sell as many to hit a break even number. And so, you know, break even being one of those really important metrics, you know, for businesses who are starting out just to get a feel for like okay, what is required for my business to survive another month? You know, and and the the pricing and the cash contribution margin that is available from each unit that you sell makes all the difference in how many you have to go sell in that first month, that second month. Like that's such a critical thing. And so that has the ability to potentially double the amount of work that you have to do, or even worse. And so when you talk about being tired and the importance of not getting burnt out and Losing sight of kind of where you're at and how you're doing, the practical place where I've seen that alleviate and and create the pockets of value or time to be able to um, reflect, it really starts with that unit economic picture where you're saying, I'm going to price this as high as I reasonably can, produce it and deliver it for as low of a direct cost as I possibly can, and then keep my operating costs as low as I can and that that creates a lean you know starting machine to be able to go out and you know not put yourself back yourself into a corner where you've overpromised on what you're you know cuz i when i was starting out like i did two things that made life easier for me and i didn't even know it at the time it just happened to be a natural way that i proposed the engagement and the two things that i did that that worked well uh, one was, uh, naming the price that was scary. So reaching and feeling like, do they really think I'm worth this much? And, and, you know, and sometimes when you name the price and they're like, oh, that's a good deal. Great. You're like, ah, oh, I could, you know, maybe it's worth more than that. And so just gradually testing where that ceiling is. And then the second thing was in the relationship, focusing on an ongoing, Flat rate engagement as opposed to like an hourly project, because the temptation can be, well, you know, I'm going to charge hourly just so I'm protected in case like it's a really gnarly amount of work. And but what can happen sometimes is you're you're setting yourself up to, you know, when you invoice, there's there's an opportunity for it gets scrutinized. Like, why did you spend this much time doing this thing? You know, but if if the if the value that you're delivering specifically on like a advisory or consultant thing is, you know, around clarity, around creating this future picture, then you don't want to put yourself in a position where you are getting penalized by becoming more efficient or using templates that you develop to, to create the forecast or any of those sort of sorts of things, starting out in a way that when people said yes to wanting to be in a relationship that it was, um, you know, for a certain amount, and it repeated the next month and the next month. It The, the challenge it created was, I got to figure out how to keep adding value over time. Yeah. Yeah. But it it's a lot easier to um, have a uh, recurring client than go find the next one who's going to pay me that same amount and convince them, you know, but, but that one's going to also end a month later. So it creates this selling... You know, snowball effect that is really hard to get out of, and so um, part of part of that uh, practically that helped me when I was starting was just um, spinning up opportunities that would would pay over multiple months, as opposed to you know just like a one time project. And so, just if anybody's out there running a a, you know doing advisory services or or thinking about doing some sort of consulting, um, a couple practical things that I would encourage.
1: That's great. That's great advice. The other thing that you mentioned that I thought was really, really good. And again, we're not going on any of the questions, which I love um, just, just to kind of change things up a bit uh, from our, you know, kind of normal conversation, but you've mentioned numerous times for people allowed to be away from their business. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, Hey, we can go on vacation to Florida, Nashville, those types of things. Like what I have found in the startup scale-up realm is that the ability to do that, and it depends on the, you know, kind of the industry that you're in, right? Like right. to allow to be able to have that sort of flexibility. But that being the case, that's almost like another oxymoron, right? It's just like, do people get the flexibility or time to do they you know scale like in a way that they can offload responsibility empower other team members find out where their gaps are you know um all those types of things so that you know they can actually step away from being a business owner so like that's like one side of it like the other side of it is that you know Mike Kelly who um who's who's a really really good guy and he's a great business coach here in the Indianapolis area he's also said it would also be irresponsible for a business owner not to be present, you know, if the business needs him or like, just, you know, just, it would be irresponsible in a sense. So all that to say there's, there, there also is some freedom in being able to step away and making your business kind of be in that mode. So yeah. um yes, talk to me a bit about that. Like how does, you know, amplify like Kind of potentially paint that picture for folks um, or get them to kind of think that in that regard.
0: Yeah. So I would say a practical thing that has created windows for availability or even just in a client relationship side of things. You know, when I talk about starting out, it's like, I'm figuring this out how to serve this relationship. And so uh, when somebody says, Hey, how does this work to, you know, higher amplify? And, uh, you know, it's like, well we meet every week and we're going to be you know thinking through questions and and then i realized you know really when we're talking about future forecasts and looking at how the business has performed you know previous month and we're trying to gauge okay what's there's a process we go through called map where we measure you know actuals versus forecasts we adjust whatever we need to out of that you know, those learnings, okay, for now moving forward. So this assumption needs to be that instead of this. And then we zoom out and we predict kind of like, where are the different scenarios taking the business now from a revenue or, you know, profitability standpoint. And what I found was the weekly meeting became unnecessary because really there was only new information coming into against the forecast once a month. And that was always the most exciting conversation, the most meaningful. And I remember my wife, Brittany, saying, um, you know, as I was realizing this and, you know, again, kind of reflecting on, okay, what's the customer relationship of communication? What's all this, um, you know, what's what's the best experience for a business owner that we're serving? And she made the comment, you know, do you really think, do you think business owners really want to meet every week? if they didn't have to. And it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, maybe not. Maybe, you know, what if, you know, this is part of, again, like almost raising the pricing, you know, gradually to figure out like, where's the value here? Um, almost like a Jenga stack of, of blocks that, you know, start pulling away some of the meetings that felt unnecessary and would would actually lead our conversation away from numbers sometimes that was just kind of a distraction. Um, so, you know, as a result, then the core uh, rhythm of, of meeting with clients is now on that monthly, like when the books close out. And that's where there's an opportunity to kind of gauge. It's, it's the checkpoint. It's the, okay, we've, we've been climbing for a month. Let's turn around and see where we're at and, and get a feel for how things look. Um, and so that has created A different expectation of, you know, from the client availability, um, you know, certainly always responding to emails and stuff from clients, even when we're not meeting that week or that sort of thing. But it does allow for flexibility, like going to the beach, like we did last week, right? And the the structure and nature of our relationship means that there, there really shouldn't be any urgent things that would cause me to kind of say... Hey, Henry, I love building a sandcastle with you, but uh, hold on. I got to go take a call. Sometimes that's required, you know, and if it is an emergency, but um, again, it it comes down to, you know, how do I create the right external customer expectations? And then I think when you have a team as well, then the internal customer, you know, that being like the team members having those right expectations, um, you know, where you aren't necessarily um, and it's one of those lies i think that you know just like the hustle and grind phase we feel like when we're in the thick of it and pulled into it we feel like we're actually doing something or adding value sometimes when actually it's not always necessary like so we we can we can accidentally sometimes you know connect how embedded i am in the business with how important i am to the business sometimes and um, uh, I was talking to a, a client today about, you know, the the characteristics of a team member. There were three characteristics that we were talking through that we identified. It's like somebody who's curious around, you know, asking good questions, who's resourceful to figure out the answers, not afraid to turn over new rocks and, and figure out what's going on. And then has integrity. Like those those components um just being really cuz if if i have somebody on my team who has those three characteristics then i feel good about stepping away because i also know that they're capable of handling any situations that pop up but then they're also you know going to to value they're going to do things in a way that i would be happy with probably but then i also know if it creeps up above a certain level then they're not afraid to you know, bring me into a conversation if it needs to, you know? So, and, and my journey too, just from growing a team is kind of unique as well, uh, because I'm actually at a a point where I am uh, beginning to evaluate, like, who is the person who has curiosity, resourcefulness, and integrity, who I want to bring in and equip as, uh, you know, a point person and amplify. This season right now is like I'm flying solo. This is a a season of of you know kids being at a certain age and the flexibility that I have right now is is awesome. And I'm realizing, you know, there's an opportunity to serve more business owners, and I don't want to be the bottleneck there. I also don't want to serve more business owners at the expense of my Family availability or ability to make more music, and so just believing that there's a way I can grow the system that the way that Amplified creates and delivers value to customers in a way that doesn't sacrifice the most important things um, helps define how I want to structure my team and who the person is who who could step into that role. And part of that learning also is because. I did it wrong the first time, you know, five years ago, I had two amazing guys who went through the same MBA program that I did as we were building up the business. And, and it's like, okay, I've got more businesses wanting to work with Amplify than I can handle. Let's go, you know, let's bring in, let's, uh, copy and paste Ben, like, you know, let's clone me. It worked okay. But what I realized now in retrospect was really, um, it was almost like running a a doctor's office with just three doctors. And it's like we didn't have any other, we weren't building in in response to like delivering a, a clear experience to the business owner. My son broke his arm earlier this year, and we got to see actually a good example of, you know, through the medical care process. You know somebody is checking you in at the front desk somebody's calling insurance somebody's uh, you know taking your weight and temperature somebody else is taking the x-ray you know there are all these and then and then the surgeon comes in at the end right so it's it's like you didn't see the surgeon sitting at the front desk asking you your home address and whatever um, and so it was a it was a clear example for me of you know if if I want to be in my strongest position to serve people then i need to take away any of the you know analysis or uh, administrative things or any of the the um, things that aren't most valuable to the business owner relationship and uh, equip amazing people to be able to do those things um almost like you know a front desk person and somebody who's like a nurse practitioner and all that. it's like same metaphor so that i can step in to the room at the right time and interpret, you know, the results. And I often think of like the funny reality that we live in with, you know, the, the bookkeeping world and, and financial statements and stuff where a lot of business owners, you know, they'll get a PDF emailed to them at some point in the month and they'll say, Hey, you know, books are closed out from last month, you know, here you go and it and the business are sitting there going like so what does it mean like how do i interpret this stuff it almost feels like a doctor giving the patient like here's your scan see ya peace out and i'm like that where's the interpretation and and uh you know carrying insight into like hey here's here's what this looks like and and here's kind of our plan from here on and so i just i feel like uh, there's a unique opportunity to build up, you know, based on my past experience of, of realizing. Um, and and there were awesome guys. Like it was just, it wasn't with the vision of, you know, here's, here's actually the system that can serve more people. It was more like, Hey, we all like serving business owners this way. Like, let's go, you know? And it just, um, I think it, it, it clarified how I want to grow moving forward.
1: Makes a lot of sense. And that metaphor, that medical metaphor is just like everybody has a unique seat, you know, and kind of a different skill set in order to kind of make that system work well. So yeah, that's a great and I I really like what you said there as far as like the bookkeeper giving, you know, it's like the doctor giving the patient, the owner, hey, here's what's going on. You know, (laughs) like and they're like, cool, help me out. Yeah. Any advice? Because I've worked with bookkeepers before. That is not something they are going to disclose to an owner. Like, that is not, like, they don't,
0: they just, they keep the books. Well, and, and there's a, it's partially because there's, I think there's a different part of the brain that fires up with, you know, the question of, is it accurate? That's important, obviously. Yeah. But, and the business owner lives in the world where they're in the past, present, future. They're in the whole spectrum here. But when the, the accountant or bookkeepers, you know, they say, cool, my job's done. It's accurate. And then the business owner sits there and says, okay, so what does it mean? And yes. you know, what's possible yes. based on what we're seeing? That, those types of questions can be really daunting to somebody whose goal is accuracy, because ultimately, like the unfair, it's like square peg and a round hole situation because you're you're the goal of a future number is not that it's ac- not, if you want it to be accurate. It's just, it's not that it's going to be exact in the sense yeah. that there, there is no perfect forecast. What you're creating is a shape and a range of potential outcomes. And that can feel really scary to somebody who's used to like really being held accountable to if a number's wrong. Because the, the, the lie with forecasting is that, you know, you're sending it into the IRS or something, and it's going to be scrutinized. And there's a penalty if you get it wrong. I mean, uh, the, what I found is a lot of times even the tax estimates that accountants are giving their bookkeeper or their clients for quarterly payments are a lot less uh, intentionally calculated than you know. I've actually had some accountants use the, the forecast that I'm building because it's like, oh, you're taking into account a lot more things than just Hey business owner, you think you're going to do more or less revenue than last year? And I'll just divide it by four, you know. And so, unfortunately, there is a uh, you know there's a, there's a mindset block that happens with those folks who you know a lot of times for the business owner they're the closest financial wizards that they have in their corner, and they're not willing to. Were able to comfortably step into uh, the shoes of the business owner and 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 really try to, you know, go to that, leave the concrete for the ambiguous. But the business owner, like every entrepreneur I've ever worked with, is like, well, of course it's not right. Like, what is? You know, because they're going like, okay, before I'm just crossing my fingers and guessing. At least I can see that. Like, I mean, more often than not, it's like, oh, so if 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 we build a scenario where it's like seasonality or revenue year over year growth goes down or costs go up in the business owner's mind they're thinking it's all so fragile that it's going to collapse if anything goes poorly the reality is you can paint out and make these assumptions and the business owner goes and we're still in business in 6 months like you mean that we're still like we're still okay like we're still surviving even if things go that poorly, and a lot of times that's like, even the negative downside forecast is some of the most freeing, like, oh, okay, I don't have to go through every day feeling like everything is a house of cards that's just ready to collapse. Um, so I just, I, I think the role of even the role of the business or the uh, the accountants and bookkeepers, I think that's going to continue to shift here over the coming years. Because computers are just going to get better and better at seeing patterns and organizing things, and the the opportunity I, I believe is going to be in uh, taking a step into interpreting those numbers for the business owner.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, that might yeah um, another thing before we can talk about as well ben this is this has been incredible the conversation I've really, really enjoyed it. if people. From uh, the the viewers wanted to get in contact with you. What's the best way to connect with you and hear more about Amplify? And
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, You can go to amplify.business. That's the website. And um, you'll find links to connect from there. Cool.
1: Well, thanks so much for being on the show and um, excited to stay connected.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Kyle. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.